0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Chances are, maybe when you pick up a new book, or look at the dust jacket, or a friend recommends a show or movie to watch on Netflix, you might ask something like, well, what's the story about? Tell me about it a little bit. Jesus' parables are no different, of course. Today we hear about a sower, a field, and good seeds, wheat and weeds, and enemies, Servants and harvest time, reapers and angels. What is this parable all about? Well, it is a story about many, many things. You could have a dozen different sermons this morning, but I'll just do one short one. It's about trust and patience, about the Lord's deliverance, about the problem of evil and our Lord's answer to it. It's also about the end times and the coming of our Lord Christ. There's a lot of going on in even just this short parable. But there is a thread that holds all of it together. It's our Lord's patience and mercy. The old word for that is his long-suffering. Like we heard earlier in the psalm that we sang together, You, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So as we walk through this parable of the wheat and the weeds, Keep those words close to your ears and in your heart and mind. The kingdom of heaven is like a man, Jesus says, a man who sowed good seed in his field. Jesus explains this later on, that this is the son of man, Jesus himself, and the field is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, believers in him, in Christ. But while this man slept... His enemy came and sowed tares, or weeds, among the wheat, and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted, it produced a crop, and then the weeds of the tares appeared also. Jesus tells us that these weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the evil one, the devil, the enemy, is the one who sowed them. So the servants then come to the owner of this farm, and they say to him, Sir... Did you not sow good seed in your field? How does it have weeds in it? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Well, then do you want us to go and gather it all up? But he said, No, lest while gathering it up you tear up the wheat along with the weeds. Let both grow together until the harvest, and then at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, First gather the weeds." Bind them into bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. The harvest, Jesus says in his explanation with the disciples, is the close of the age, his return again at the last day. The reapers are his angels, the ones sent to do the work at his command. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. And the Son of Man, Jesus says, as he goes on in his explanation there, will send out his angels, and they will gather all out of his kingdom, all things that are offense, and all that is lawlessness. And he will cast them into the fiery furnace. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But then, he says to those who are in him, those who are called by his name, the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Now, as far as explanations go, Jesus' words, his explanation to his disciples, sounds pretty straightforward. But if you go back and look at the detail and look at the explanation of it, kind of side by side with every piece and part that Jesus explains, every part of the parable has a corresponding explanation to it that Jesus gives, except for two notable exceptions. He tells what everything means in the parable. The sower, the seed, the field, the weeds, the enemy, the harvest, the burn pile even. But Jesus says nothing about the servants or their questions to the farm owner about what they should do with the weeds in the field. There's that little bit of a gap right in the middle of Jesus' explanation with his disciples. He doesn't us what those things are one for one, like the sower is the Son of Man. This is really part of the genius of Jesus' storytelling in the parables. You see, Jesus wants us to be included in this story. Now, it's true what I said last week about how the parables are all about Christ, but this means not that we're sideline kind of spectators like maybe watching sports on TV or something, but that we're to see ourselves in this parable as well. So Jesus wants us to see ourselves in this gap where things are not quite explained in full detail. Again, not merely as sideline readers, but people who are in the story themselves. You see, he wants us to see ourselves in the servant's position, asking the servant's question in this parable. And you recall, the servants ask this, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it have weeds? It really is an age-old question. Perhaps we've asked it in a different way, one we've asked ourselves many times. It might sound something like this, Why is there so much evil in the world? Or another way we've maybe heard it, If God is good and loves and cares for his creation, why does wickedness seem to run amok? Why are there pandemics and riots and racism and senseless violence in our cities and country and world? Why are police officers and two-year-olds being shot in our city streets? Why is the world full of so much suffering and pain and cruelty? And I'm sure we can add lists and endless things of questions of why to that list. What's going on, Lord? Did you not sow good seed? Why then are there so many weeds in this world? And our Lord simply replies, an enemy has done this. This is what happens. The devil destroys where our Lord tries to create. Our Lord wants only to be gracious and merciful, but the devil wants nothing more than to sow chaos and death and confusion. Our Lord himself sows only good seed. But we see, in our Lord's words, the enemy, the devil, likes to sow weeds. An enemy has done this, Jesus says. This is a little bit of a sobering reminder for us in this life. That in this life, in this world of fallen, brokenness, and sin, there is not, and there will be, no utopia for us. As Paul says, now we groan along with creation, eagerly awaiting the resurrection of the body, that redemption and full adoption as sons. That's why he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed to us. As we live in this world, as we wait and long and pray for Jesus to return and come again, this world will look like it does in Jesus' parable, full of wheat, but also weeds. Full of good and evil present around us all the time. And so the servants in the parable ask sort of the next logical question after the first one. Well then, Lord, sir, do you want us to go and gather the weeds up? What are you going to do about all these wicked weeds, Lord? Should we just start clearing the ground now? And the answer Jesus gives is rather jaw-dropping, a bit shocking of a surprise. We would expect him to say, Yeah, sure, get out the propane torch and light it up. But he says, Let both grow together until the harvest. Think about that. Let both grow together until the harvest. Now, the Greek word here is kind of fun. It can be translated as simply let it be or let them grow together or permit it or allow it. But it's also the New Testament word that is used so often in the Gospels for the word for forgiveness. So what does our Lord say about wickedness in the world? And then if we turn the mirror of the law back on our own hearts and minds, what does he say about our own wickedness and sin? He says, forgive it. Let it be for now until the harvest. Because, honestly, if it were up to us, if it were up to me, let's say, if it were my farm, I would say, we'd probably go down and burn it all down. Pull up the weeds and the wheat together and throw it all in the burn pile and maybe just try to start over fresh. But do you see the problem that Jesus reveals in that? If we are in charge of the field, we would make a mess of things. We would tear up the good along with the bad. The wheat along with the weeds. This is why Jesus, at the end of the parable explanation, does not put sinners in charge of the judgment. He puts his perfect holy angels in charge of carrying out his word and work. Because if we sinners were in charge of separating the wheat from the weeds, how do you think we'd do? How would we know how to separate who from who and what from what, and this really bad sinner from maybe not so great of a, not so quite as bad of a sinner? You see where we would get into problems. The Russian novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn once said that the line of good and evil runs straight through our own hearts, too. So what do we do with these weeds? What do we do with sin and wickedness in the world? Do we ignore it? No, it's not what our Lord is saying here. We are, in a way, called to lament it. And we've probably done that a lot these past few months. We're also called simply to call it for what it is. To call an evil thing evil. To call sin, sin. Our Lord also teaches us to repent. Not of other people's sins, but of our own sinful, weedy hearts. And then to look to our Lord Jesus himself. To the farm owner. Because he, remember, only sows good seed. That is exactly what he has done for you. What he is doing for you as you gather together today. And as you read and study and inwardly digest his word in your homes, amongst yourselves and in your family. This is what our Lord does. He loves to do for you. He loves to forgive you. He loves to show mercy to you. He loves to be patient and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love for you. Remember that this story is all about Jesus, ultimately, about the sower himself, the son of man, who came into this field, this world, for you, And he let all the weeds of the enemy surround him, lay a hold of him, and finally nail him to the cross, to the tree, for you. He let all the weeds of the enemy ensnare him and take hold of him. He let himself be bound to the wickedness of the world. He took our own sinful, weedy hearts and then died in our place, that he might give us his perfect, holy, life-giving life on the cross. And as he hung there on the cross for you, he endured that fiery furnace of God's wrath in your place. But as Jesus says at the end of the parable, you might shine like the righteous and shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. That's a little bit of Jesus quoting Daniel chapter 12 in a promise of the resurrection. That is his gift his promise, His love and life for you. Remember the words of the song that we started with back at the beginning of the parable. You, O Lord, are God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And that really is what this parable is all about. In the name of Jesus, amen. the grace of God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We'll keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.